So thank you to Siobhan McDonough for joining me. He's, she's the Labour MP for Mitcham and Morden in South London. Um, what was your experience of growing up? Because I read that your family are, are of Irish descent and Roman Catholic. And how did you first get into politics? Um, well, uh, I represent the constituency I was born and brought up in. Uh, I live in Collierswood, where I was actually born, so I haven't managed to get very far, just to the other side of the high street. Uh, my mum and dad came in 1947 uh, from Ireland. Uh, my dad uh, went up to the northeast to uh, light the gelignite in the mines because he was a very fit young man. Uh, and my uh, mum trained, uh, went to Wallingham Park, which was a big psychiatric hospital. Um, to train as uh, what was then an SEN nurse in the, N in the new NHS. Uh, um, and uh, Dad came to London to work on the buildings, like young men, Irish men of his generation did. Uh, they met, they married, um, and quite some time later they had me, and 14 months later, uh, my sister, Margaret. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we were you know, very much part of the Irish uh, community in South West London, yeah. throughout Catholics. Um, uh, my earliest canvassing experience, and uh, both myself and my sister are known for our love of knocking on people's doors, uh, was uh, going around with my dad on a Sunday afternoon collecting money to build our church, St. Joseph's in Collieswood High Street. Yeah. Um, so, uh, great parents, really imbued a sense of... Uh, um, hard work uh, and um, great, great people, greatly responsible people. Uh, and from them, uh, my politics came. Uh, obviously, they were both Labour voters, they're not politically active. Um, both were members of their trade unions, but, you know, um, kind of uh, members, but quiet members, if you know what I mean. Mm, yeah. um, I joined the Labour Party at 16 uh, and really it's the best thing I've ever done and never looked back. Okay, brilliant. Um, what are you most proud of achieving in Mitcham and Morden? Oh gosh, I mean, that's, um, that's quite, um, yeah. Um, because I, I've, I've, um, not, I've noted that one of your campaigns was about St Helier's Hospital, saving St Helier's yeah. Hospital. Yeah, so, sometimes, I was about to say, sometimes you're successful at stopping things from happening. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. is, uh, yeah. I suppose the thing that um, I am proud of before I came, became an MP was that um, in the early 90s I was chair of the housing committee uh, as a councillor uh, in the London Borough of Merton and uh, I managed to get a housing association to build a thousand homes. Uh, so mm. that was my, that's my, and knocked down the tower blocks on Fitzbridge. I don't know if you know the area, but not, not particularly well, no. estate. And in one particular block, um, Cobham Court, we had half the children on the councils at risk register. Blimey, okay. Uh, so we knocked down uh, the high rise and we built uh, houses with gardens. So okay. um, yeah. I think for anybody considering uh, becoming involved or getting elected, I think being a councillor is a great thing. Um, the gap between having an idea and getting it to happen is much smaller. Uh, and you get to represent a smaller group of people and uh, get to know uh, what works and what doesn't. Um, as an MP, uh, the thing I'm most proud of in the constituency, I suppose, 
I'm very proud that we managed to get a station at Eastfield. Yeah. Um, that's been promised for almost a century. Um, it made, um, it, it made, you know, it's only 12 minutes to Victoria, so it made much it's more pretty, work, yeah. much more possible for so many people. Mm. Um, and also, um, tied in with this, um, I am most proud that um, in the face of um, some hostility um, from the Labour side, um, I managed to um, get Harris Academy uh, to come mm. and open um, uh, Harris Merton up in Pollard's Hill, transforming the school there. Yeah. Uh, and later, Harris Morden in Morden, uh, transforming the school there because for some inexplicable reason, at one point, our three secondary schools um, in Merton, uh, in, well, in Mitchum and Morden, um, were in the bottom 1% of schools in London, which oh, wow. could not be justified yeah. by any deprivation index or anything else. Mm. Um, but they were school, they were not functioning. And so with the help of then um, the leader um, of the council, um, Andrew Judge, uh, we managed to get those schools sponsored and to turn around. It sounds like you're quite passionate about education. Do you think it's really important that kids in your local area have a good or outstanding school to go to? Education, for all, the, for all those who are not privileged, is the ladder to a better life. Mm. Um, and uh, the poorer you are and the most um, disadvantaged you are, it is the only ladder. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think um, we have some pretty difficult things to tackle in our education system. Um, in that, why is it that immigrant children do so well? And, um, you know, so if you, um, in Mitchell Morden, it's the Tamils' children. I mean, their parents may live in a house with barely sticker furniture, but they are our doctors, our lawyers, mm. um, and our accountants of the future. Mm. Uh, I suppose pretty much a um, similar thing though not quite as grand, uh, happened to the Irish community in the 60s as well. You know, uh, lots of those um, children of first-generation immigrants went on to, you know, get professional jobs, do well. Uh, I think maybe it's the drive of somebody who comes a long way to make a new life and braves all that. Yeah. Certainly for the, you know, the Tamils, some of the African community and other communities, you can see that locally. And we want that same drive for people, for children born here and brought up here. We don't mm. want that drive to be lost. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, and the St. Helier Hospital, um, how has that affected your constituents? Because it was uh, well, it was uh, threatened with closure, wasn't it? It is a hospital that serves half of the constituency yeah. uh, from Morden into Central Mitcham. Yeah. Um, it's uh, nearest neighbour is St George's at Tooting, which is much more high profile, yeah. much more cutting edge. Um, but the service that St Helia provides is really important to some of uh, my uh, constituents with the worst health outcomes uh, and the lowest life expectancy. And since um, 1996, there have been three or four attempts to close it in part or move it or close it entirely. Uh, and we fought every we fought every attempt. We fought uh, we fought the Labour government, which I dearly loved. 
uh, we fought the coalition, and now we're fighting the forced fight in the Conservative government. Yeah. It has nothing really to do um, with which party is in power. It has to do with my belief that the uh, health service should be closest to those who need it most. Of course. Uh, and I believe that the NHS uh, often operates on um, a kind of law of diminishing returns uh, where it tends to move services to those areas that are wealthiest. Mm. Yeah, okay. Um, and just sticking with the health service, um, do you th what, what do you make of the health pressures at the moment, uh, particularly with COVID, and how, how has that affected your area and you know the whole of London because obviously we're seeing rates astronomically high in London. How has that affected? Oh, both St Helier and St George's under extreme pressure to do with coronavirus. Mm. Um, at one point last week or the week before St Helier, over a third of the patients in the hospital had coronavirus. Um, there's a constant attempt to get more intensive care beds. Um, to convert wards, so it means people who are going in for other surgery or um, other treatments are are not going. Um, so it's going to have a it has a profound effect not only on the people ill with coronavirus, but those people who are looking for other treatments. Mm -hmm. Waiting lists are at an all time high. Yeah. Um, so when the immediate pandemic is over, the crisis in our NHS continues, and you can just. You can just see where it had got too ragged. You can see that there are not enough inpatient beds. There are not enough intensive care beds. And we don't have enough doctors and nurses. Mm. Okay. Um, what do you make of the government's handling of the COVID-19 pandemic to date? I mean, I think it's going to be hard for anybody. Mm. Uh, I think it's, you know, unprecedented uh, what's happened to us. But I would say... Um, that all the decisions seem to be happening too late. Mm. We're behind the curve. It's almost like we're like the government is wishing that these things aren't going to happen and wishing that the data is not true, only later to finally accept it is uh, and for things to have got worse. Um, I think um, I think it exposes Boris Johnson in not being somebody who can make decisions very quickly. Uh, somebody who is given to dithering um, and that makes things very, very difficult. Though I do accept it is an And our public services were a bit threadbare, weren't they? So we were, mm. you know, the decisions was late and then the organisations weren't in a place where they could actually challenge or, or do stuff. I mean, mm. you just look at test and trace and you think, you know, what on earth? I mean, I, I read today that we're spending a million pounds a day on consultants. Blimey. I didn't realise it was that from much. From Deloitte, I think. Yeah. I mean, mm, it's crazy, isn't yeah, we're it? we're struggling to keep the £20 a week extra for people on universal credit. Mm, mm. Which I presume you voted for with the Labour motion yesterday. Yeah. 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 Okay, interesting. Um, in terms of the Brexit deal, because obviously that was a massive issue till, well, it still is a massive issue, but... Just a couple of weeks ago. Um, did you vote for it? And can you explain the flaws in it, which many opposition MPs tried to highlight? So, just a, a last bit of your question was... Can you explain the flaws um, in which the opposition tried to highlight in the deal? Um, I abstained. 
Okay. So I broke my own leg a bit, which, which was too interesting in favour of it. Yeah. And and I understand that, and I understand why Keir Starmer uh, made that recommendation. Um, but the deal for me was so flawed. I didn't feel I wanted to vote for it. Now any deal was better than no deal, so I didn't want to vote against it. And abstaining is pretty weak, but I thought that was my only least worst. Um, uh, position mm. uh, and I think that we are seeing the real problems right now aren't we you know we're seeing um, uh, the problems with the uh, with the fishermen mm. I mean how it didn't become apparently obvious that you know if you catch a lot of fish in your waters and we don't eat much fish as British people and most of it gets sold in Europe there was going to be an issue wasn't it yeah. I read uh, today of a folio who has got three uh, large lorries of cork on the docks in Holland and can't get over because of the paperwork. That mm. meat has now rotted. Um, we've seen problems in the supermarkets in Northern Ireland, yeah. not being able to um, get food in because Northern Ireland um, is part of the EU trade um, uh, um, sector. And, you know, what we're not seeing, which is even worse, we're not seeing what's going on in the city with financial services, mm. where we're losing jobs and investment. Um, and, you know, we might not like this, and we might think our economy should be different. But at the moment, I think uh, the financial sector is um, the cause of 78% of our GDP. Mm. So... You know, the fact that we've got an EU trade deal at the moment that makes no reference to financial services tells you what a precarious position we're in. Um, because like it or not, unless those back money is being made in the UK, that has a knock-on effect for our schools, our hospitals, yeah, exactly. um, our tax base. Um, and very few people are even talking about that. And maybe very few of us are aware of just how difficult that's going to be. Mm, okay. Um, do you think Keir Starmer's a good leader? I, I, I think that... You can be honest. Oh, no, no, I am being honest. <laughs> I think this is a difficult, um, this is a difficult uh, question. I mean, how, 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 does he, how does he differ from previous Labour leaders like Corbyn oh, and well, Brown um, and Blair? And... I just say, I thank God for every day for Keir Starmer. I didn't vote for Keir Starmer as leader. I voted, uh, I would have voted for Jess Phillips if I had the um, opportunity, uh, but she pulled out, and then I voted for Lisa Nadley. Um, but I have to say, I think Keir Starmer is a very good man with very good values, and he has uh, stood up to some of the challenges that I worried he wasn't going to. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, I spent some of the last... Um, few years being ashamed of the Labour Party, being ashamed to tell people that I was Labour, and I have never felt that before, even in the darkest moments, mm. but the anti-Semitism, um, the whole kind of, you know, lack of appreciation of our country, uh, made me think, my oh God, I, I don't know what people must think of us. Well, December 2019, we found out big time. Mm. So it's a really long journey back. 
Yeah. And I think that uh, Keir Starmer has made a good start, and I think all his calls on coronavirus have proved to be the correct ones. Mm. Do you, do you think it's better for Labour to move towards the centre than to go more left-wing? Sorry, say that again? Sorry. Um, do you think it's better for Labour to be around the centre point rather than to well, left-wing? we've only ever won from the centre. Yeah. I mean, we have never won from anywhere else. Mm. And, you know, we repeat, you know, we repeat our history and we mm. have always repeated our history. Um, so... Uh, you know, where Tony Blair wins three times, the first Labour leader to ever do that. Um, there's somehow, when he goes, there's a view that we can suddenly reposition ourselves and it will be okay. Uh, and then um, Ed Miller, so we lose in 2010. 2015, uh, Ed Miliband thinks that the country has moved to the left without any evidence for that to be the case. Mm. And we found out the result of that. Uh, that indeed they hadn't, and we had the coalition, uh, and we had 10 years of austerity. You know, Labour has has to hold a lot of the blame for the things that this country are having to put up with, because we were simply not good enough. Okay. Um, what do you do to relax? Um, oh, uh, I, uh, I'm a very sociable person. I like a drink, like party, like to chat to my friends. I love live music, so I oh, really... What sort of music? Oh, I've got a very broad taste of music. I suppose it's slightly changed over time. Yeah. Um, I'm, a, I'm a, a child of the punk kind okay. of Okay, interesting, yeah. So uh, my favourite um, single is Teenage Kicks by The Undertones. Um, I um, have every Clash album. Um, yeah. But I'm also, uh, I was a fan of Britpop, and I'm a great, I'm a big fan of lots of 60s, Tamla Motown and Stax music, because the politics are um, yeah. mixed up in that. Yeah. Um, and uh, when we're allowed, uh, one of my hobbies is uh, Northern Soul dancing. I'm not very good, uh, <laughs> but we go to classes, uh, which I enjoy a lot. Um, and today is... Uh, Dolly Parton's 75th birthday. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, and she's an extraordinary uh, woman and yeah. a real hero. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. And tell me about your perfect Sunday. Uh, well, normally, uh, um, I normally I go canvassing on a Sunday morning. Normally yeah. I have quite a strict routine because it involves uh, church, canvassing, uh, and lunch with friends. Uh, it's a bit different at the moment. Um, but uh, yeah, I enjoy every day. Okay, brilliant. Thank you.